0: Right. Hello. Hello. It's time for us to stop wandering in the wilderness and hey. get to a podcast, huh? How about that? I
1: feel a little bit like I'm always wandering in the wilderness, especially when it's especially when it's 600 600 degrees you're
0: not out. Not digging the hot and humid. That's when you're drinking more of the iced coffee instead of the regular hot coffee. I do have a picture coffee, of cold brew
1: you know? in my the fridge. Mm, there you go. Yes, sir. I'm
0: drinking the regular, traditional hot coffee, Aztec blend from Speedway. With a touch of Colombian in there to take the Aztecs just a little bit better in there, but it's the only fair trade certified oh, is it? one that they carry. So the others may be, but <clears throat> I'm always looking for fair trade certified coffee and chocolate if I have the opportunity. Word. So
1: Hershey's is not.
0: <laughs> um, they have they actually have a couple of things within Hershey's that are, but as a company, very few companies as a whole are. Uh, <clears throat> Green Mountain Coffee and is all uh, even the ones that don't carry the certification uh, label on there are all um, fair, trade. fair trade and they they deal with all of their stuff through small farms and so on. Cool. Yeah, it's you know I'm I'm kind of a you know anti-slavery kind of guy. If I can if I can avoid you know human trafficking, I'm I'm in favor of that. That seems thing. like a, a good call. going to be pro-life let's be pro-life all the way and we are as christ followers pro-life without any question so i
1: could go into a whole big thing about both pro-life and sex trafficking so i won't do that
0: (laughs) i have very often but today is not the podcast for that right instead that is
1: something to rant about we are
0: commemorating the covenant instead so as we are working through this so you you told
1: me on i don't know one, one day last week that we weren't going to have like typical moving forward than the progression in numbers kind yeah. of sermon. Um, and we didn't No, that's true,
0: <laughs> but it was, you supposed did not lie. To, it was supposed to be a shorter uh, sermon. So you did lie. and uh, <laughs> Yeah, I actually took 15 minutes off of my timer and still somehow got to an hour. Well, to so. be
1: fair, we had a lot going on, too, on the day. We had. A oh, morning. no, we still
0: got out at an earlier than normal time for the service. But the sermon was not
1: ah, gotcha. uh,
0: shorter than normal, because
1: so. we had a, one of our missionaries come yeah. and speak, and all that yeah, stuff.
0: we you know installed and dedicated our deacons. We, we, we you
1: had know, celebrated
0: the remembrance. Had a lot going so. on. it was
1: a busy day.
0: It was. It was a busy day. So, so don't
1: don't be too hard on
0: yourself. <laughs> well, I just as I saw the uh, the file that Dennis uploaded for so that you can get it to yeah. anchor to get uploaded for the podcast, which will probably be after people see this. But, True. you know, anyhow, uh, I saw that it was an hour on there. And I'm like, man, I hope he included the <laughs> the commemoration now there. I don't, but think did. I don't think he did. I think it was just <laughs> straight was up an hour. So, sermon. Well. Which is an hour is normal for us. Right. But it wasn't the plan for this Sunday. However, it is important for us to make the connections because that's what – you know, we're trying to do on this podcast, but ultimately, that's what what every uh, preacher of God's word needs to be working at is trying to connect the reality of God to the realities of life. And so, as we're uh, looking at how does how does Numbers nine relate to today, but how even does something like the the communion that we celebrate, the remembrance celebration, the Lord's Supper, how does that actually impact us? How does that fit in? And I think one of the things that Churches that I've been a part of uh, or have visited over the many decades of my, of my life. The so, eons. Yeah. Um, now I'm thinking of uh, Rudolph's shiny new year. But anyhow, as we're... Um,
1: that was a mistake. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. Anyhow, as, as we're um, kind of looking at this, we want to do more than just go through a religious ritual. We don't. Same thing with baptism. In fact and you and I have talked uh, you know away from the podcast about the fact that you know I'm kind of revisiting and, and reevaluating everything that we do as far as uh, and we want to make that a regular practice. but as far as everything that we do with baptism, with our child dedication, with, uh, with remembrance celebration, we want to make sure every time we do these things that everybody who has a heart for it, who has the, has ears to hear as Jesus would say, understands exactly why they're doing it, and mm-hmm. what it means, what it doesn't mean. Mm-hmm. And so this was an opportunity to um, to kind of revisit what the Lord tells us in numbers for the children of Israel. And we only briefly, we touched on it and referred to it. And then we looked at Exodus and then uh, came back to Luke to look at, at the gospel account there. Uh, it's a little fuller than what we see in, in Matthew, Mark, John, um, as we, kind of try to make those connections, we want to be able to um, to recognize that, that God ordains these things. These are not man-made ceremonies that, that we're celebrating. And depending on your church background, and, and you've got some uh, history with the Catholic Church and, uh, and those who come from, uh, whether it's Lutheran or Presbyterian, there are a lot of places. And, and we will almost always say that, that these are not... Man-made things, mm-hmm. you know, and we'll but we'll add in man-made things. So many churches uh, want to say, "Well, we're just we're trying to get to just what the New Testament does," and so you know we'll follow a regulative principle. And I think that would be pretty tough to do to to have that that truly primitive church, and, and some even call themselves a primitive Baptist or primitive whatever. um, Pretty tough. Because we we have some very specific things that we're told and we have right. some other things that we're not. One thing that we know for sure is that Jesus himself ordained at least two specific sacred ceremonies to, to refocus our faith, to recalibrate uh, our faith, and to, um, to have specific meanings, both for those who are watching and for those who are participating. Uh, one of those... Is communion the Eucharist, Lord's Supper, or what we call the remembrance celebration, uh, which specifically ties to Passover? Baptism is the other, uh, and, and there are some other churches who recognize uh, further ordinances that, uh, like the love feast, you know, uh, the Grace Brethren, uh, our brothers and sisters there, our brethren. I see what I did there the Grace Brethren Church. I, don't know. I, think, I think actually uh, the majority of Brethren Churches would do that same thing. They would uh, look at foot washing as that mm-hmm. and a love feast as that. Uh, so we know that there are at least two. We may dispute the others, but for sure, if you are um, of a Christian church, you recognize with very few exceptions that baptism and communion are uh, are sacred ceremonies put in place by the Lord for us to do throughout the generations. And there's an echo of what we see in the Old Testament, because everything that was written in the past was written for our instruction. Right. So we can see that what God did in Israel was something that was pointing forward to Christ. And now what, what we're doing is pointing back to Christ and forward to the the consummation of all things. Uh, but the faith of the Old Testament is always going to, it's going to leave a, um, a flavor, or, or or an echo, or a reflection in the new as we see it. So, as the children of Israel in Numbers nine, in the first half of that, the first fourteen verses, I believe it is. I should know. It's the you know third time we've been going through this, or fourth time. Uh, they're about to embark uh, from Sinai into the Promised Land, mm-hmm. and that that's where they're headed. That's this is all getting to this big climax uh, that that it's going to jump. On us here, and then we're going to have some things that spin around. But, uh, but this is all about to happen. You know, the the score is building, and and they've set up this tension, and and now God is saying, take this Passover, celebrate the Passover just as I commanded last year when you were coming out right. of Egypt, and now as you're about to get into where I told you I was going to take you, do this. Remember what I did in bringing you out of Egypt, so that you know the covenant God that I am, Mm -hmm. I'm I'm filling in the the gaps here of, of what is uh, implicit, what is inferable. As we look at it, Uh, the purpose for looking back is so that we can carry that forward. That was the purpose for them. They were going to need, and we're going to see this coming up. They're going to need to know that God can deliver them, that God will deliver them. And for them to know that, they need to know that God has delivered them, and they need to see how and remember how, and pass that on to the next generation. So that was specifically how God instructed them to carry out the Passover. Fast forward to the New Testament, and we looked uh, specifically at, at uh, Luke chapter twenty-two. In Luke twenty-two, Jesus is celebrating this this final um, supper that he will have before uh, he goes to the cross. So he's uh, in this upper room with his friends it's the eve of passover and they're celebrating this um uh, this commemorative meal looking back to egypt when mm-hmm. when god delivered his people god brought them out of this bondage and as he brought them out of this bondage there were there was a cost right and they were instructed specifically to bring in this uh this blemish free lamb this perfect lamb and on the 10th day they would bring it into their home and they would raise this lamb and then on the 14th day they would sacrifice this lamb and they would take the blood of that lamb and paint it over the door uh, of their home in so doing in this act of faithful obedience then god would death that is coming from god through the the death angel or or, uh, you know however that uh gets explained. I think I've heard various explanations of it. What we see is God is doing it. Mm -hmm. So as as God is doing it, he has death passed them over when they are covered by the blood of the Lamb. How many hymns has that shown up in? Because that's the principle that Jesus then identifies with himself. And he passes the the matzah around to his friends, this bread that represents the affliction of the people and You know, if you've ever seen matzah, first and foremost, it's unleavened bread. That's a very specific instruction that God repeats over and over again in Exodus 12. You know, there's you have the Passover meal, but you also have the extended uh, celebration of the feast of unleavened bread where there is to be no yeast, no yeast in the house, no yeast in the bread. You you stay away from it. That's not a problem the rest of the year, but now it's a huge problem. You may not have it because this is representing something. And in that Passover picture, in, the, in this uh, ceremonial uh, symbolism, yeast represents sin. So this bread without sin, without yeast, is, is part of the ceremony. Mm-hmm. Jesus is the bread of life without sin. So now as he's passing this, this matzah, which is pierced and, and it's broken as they, as they pass it around, he says, this is now my body, broken for you. This is the the sacrifice that he is about to make as he takes the affliction of the people on himself. He is specifically identifying with this unleavened bread because to be the sacrifice that we need, he cannot have sin of his own to die for. So Jesus came, lived and died as a man, physically lived and died. Faced every temptation as you and I, all, as we all do. We all have have our flesh nature, our sinful nature. Jesus didn't have a sinful nature, but he still had a flesh nature. So that's what sometimes when we translate it the same, um, the, the reason the NIV brings out the sinful nature in their translation right. is to point out that it's, it's a figurative picture of the flesh, sure. not the literal picture of the flesh. <clears throat> anyway, that's translation discussions aside. The the picture that Christ is giving of himself is, here am I, (coughs) the bread of life, and as the bread of life without yeast, unleavened bread. And he tells them to eat it, to, to take this into themselves. Take my body that's broken for you, this sacrifice, into yourselves. And just like with everything else that we eat, it's digested, it's broken down, goes through every cell of your body. <clears throat> the bread of Christ, this unleavened bread, his sacrifice for us is to be in every part of our lives. It's, it's all through us. Then he takes the cup, and specifically we're told here in Luke 22 that he takes the cup after dinner, and the cup after dinner is the cup that represents the blood of the Passover lamb mm-hmm. that was painted over the doorpost by which death would pass them over. So those who are covered by the blood of the sacrifice, through faith, which leads to obedience and painting it over the door, this is how they escape death. Through this package, this sign, the sacrifice of, of the unleavened bread and the blood of the lamb, they are saved from what is about to happen, the judgment that's about to come on, Egypt, Mm -hmm. the judgment of death that's being brought upon those who are opposed to God. And in this, they're also being delivered from the bondage that they have known, which we're in bondage even before we know that we're sinners, we're already bound over to sin. So the bondage of our will is something that we're delivered from. Now in Christ, those who have received Christ by faith and have been covered by the blood, if you will we are for the first time ever able to please God when we are apart from Christ before we are aware of him before we are repentant turning from our way to his way and trusting his his death on our behalf until that time there is literally nothing we can do to please God Hmm. we can you know preach the gospel but if we do that apart from faith of our own we have no reward with him we're not a part of him that's when he would say hey I don't know who you are. Yeah, you've done all these things and you've claimed my name, but depart from me. I've never known you. Well, he says that not because you know, we're not going to get there and be surprised. Right. By let me let me make sure I'm clear about that. The picture that we see in the scriptures is that these people are surprised. But these are religious people who have not put their faith in Christ. They've done all the things. They thought that they've somehow earned their way to heaven by doing the things. But the things are not going to get you into this relationship. Those who are in this relationship, who will never hear that from him, instead they're going to hear, well done, good and faithful servant, are those whose name is written in the Lamb's book of life, as we see in Revelation. And when we are all judged by our deeds, those whose name is written in the Lamb's book of life, when 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 the judge looks upon them, What he sees is the blood of the lamb. He sees that sacrifice. They are covered by that. They escape the punishment. They escape the, the bondage. And they are welcomed into the kingdom of God. Here in this Passover celebration, we're seeing the symbolism in the Old Testament of what we will experience in reality in Christ. And now as we celebrate the remembrance celebration, we're looking back to what Christ did. Right. Which then also looks back to the Passover as as a picture of that, and we're able to lean on Him. Go right.
1: It's, I think I touched on this last week, and maybe I jumped the gun because I should have saved it for this week. But it's so amazing to me how this all connects <clears throat> back to that, to this, to this yeah. section of Numbers, and
0: it's almost like there was one author for this hey. whole book, and it's one big story.
1: And I realize that when we take communion or whatever you want to call it, the remembrance celebration, we're doing it in response to this new covenant right. but when you really think about it and we go back to you know you just connected all the dots in five minutes um
0: i don't usually do anything in five well, minutes that's kind congratulations. of
1: congratulations so. um it, it go, yeah, we're looking back and looking forward at the same time and that's i like i said i haven't had enough coffee for that because of <laughs> course I've of course i have understood what communion is and what it's representing and what i mean but when you truly think about it going back to the old testament and why they did that connect that to jesus why he said what he said why i'm doing it and looking toward my future when i you know pass over and go there i it's just mind-boggling to me and it's something i know you say this every every month it's it's something that i don't think is taken seriously enough mm-hmm. especially because you see so many churches you know and nothing now there's something wrong with this because it's an individual thing but people doing it kind of like just i don't want to say out of habit but like there are some churches that do it every week or every sure. you know well
0: there's everything wrong with just doing it out of habit right. however doing it every week or doing it once a year is is i don't i don't know if arbitrary is the word i want to use but it's the best one that i'm, I'm coming up with. We do it once a month. That is not some divine instruction. Uh, That's, we we consider that wise and prudent because we're to do this in remembrance of him as often as we do it. Some would say as often as you get together, you're to do Mm. this. Well, how literally do you want to take that? Right. Does that just mean when you get together for this purpose? Does it mean when you get together every Sunday? Does it mean when you get together every time you meet one another? At some point in there, we find a line that says, okay, that doesn't really make sense. So we, we come to a place where, where God gives us a brain. And so we use that brain to determine what is wise because it, there isn't a specific command sure. as far as here is, here is your prescribed dosage for right. this. You know, do this every week. For 15 minutes, and and you know this is what you're to say. This is Call how me you're in to three go days. about it. <laughs> right. um, but what we are clearly seeing is it was a priority for the early church. Mm-hmm. It was something that they did a lot, and they did it a lot for the express reason of celebrating what Jesus right. did for them, and that that that's the whole reason we have life. His death brought us life, and so we celebrate in that way. Now, if you're from uh, a, a Roman Church background where you are uh, seeing this as a sacrament, and there are other churches that, that's, you know, the, the oldest or the, the big one that we think of here. When you see this as a sacrament, as, as a means of receiving God's grace, not as a means of apprehending and understanding God's grace. Right. So when Protestants say means of grace, that's, that's generally what we mean. Uh, some mainline churches will, will not necessarily see it that way. But as a rule, when we say the ordinary means of grace, we're talking about the things that we do that are prescribed for us in the scripture, that are the means of our growth, how God uh, ministers to us and builds us up, not how we receive God's favor to be saved or anything mm. along that line. Um, but there are those who do believe that. I think that's a, a false understanding of the scripture. And, and uh, I think that's pretty clear if we take the time to look at it. I think that that seems to pretty obviously be a doctrine that developed over time as the church de- developed through history, but does not appear to be the picture, uh, the understanding that they have in the New Testament. In fact, I would say it seems to go contrary to everything that Paul writes for sure. It seems to run contrary to what Jesus says. So as we're um, looking at this, we chose to do it uh, once a month, and that's Fairly common among uh, particularly Baptistic evangelical churches. Uh, I can't really say beyond uh, some of those circles. I have a friend who's a pastor in Kalamazoo and they've gone to doing it every week. Um, it's very reformed in, in his theology. And, uh, it's Kalamazoo. I said Grand Rapids, but I think, but I mean Kalamazoo. And, and uh, John and his church went to doing it every week. So they do it at the end of the service. He takes a few minutes to explain it and everybody does it. I, I'm not saying that's wrong. I'm saying I, I see some dangers with that. Now I see some dangers with doing it you know, less often as mm-hmm. well. But when we do it every week, <clears throat> it's easy for us to fall into the same trap that the church historically fell into of seeing this as a sacrament right. through which you receive God's grace and without which you do not. Right. That is, a I think, a bad understanding. On top of that, it's also... Um, as you mentioned, it's easy for it to just become something we do uh from rote you know it's it's we we do it because we do it we forget why we do it right
1: and i think of i'm not trying to dog on the catholic church but i think of the catholic church as the first thing that comes to mind because it seems like the
0: oldest and most developed whenever you
1: go to a catholic service with exceptions i'm sure but most most times you can kind of expect that that there'll be communion whether they pass it around or i've been to plenty of services where it's just the priests up there doing taking communion and because
0: the mass is a mandatory thing that you have to take. Take right. part of because the ritual is part it's the sacrament. It's right. part of what you are doing to receive God's blessing. Right. Uh, the Protestant view of that is different. Uh, obviously I believe the Protestant view of that is correct um, and, and when I say Protestant there's a lot of variety in Protestant churches some are much closer to the Catholic understanding the sacramentalist understanding and some are much farther from that uh, and, and historically in the church we've seen it done a lot of different ways. Augustine in the 4th century talked about this or the 5th century talked about this uh, my timeline on August, uh, Augustine. Augustine, for those of you who are offended by me saying Augustine, sorry. If old, that's the only thing you've habits, offended
1: people with today, then that's Then they it. haven't been listening long.
0: <laughs> but but uh, anyway, as, as Augustine, uh, R.C. Sproul would be very upset with me if he were alive to, if he were, he's more alive than I am, but if he were here today. So anyhow, we, we see there was great, great, great <laughs> debate over when, how often to to go about this. Uh, In these ordinances, we we see that regularly. We're not going to spend time talking about baptism today, but especially in baptism. There's such variety because the New Testament is somewhat, if I dare use the word, vague Mm -hmm. about how to practice it and, and where it is. What we know for sure about baptism is it's an identification with Christ. Always in every situation. Now, what weight you put on that identification may vary in your understanding, but it always is a picture of this identification with faith in Christ, with with the body, the church. And apart from that, then we don't have that that sacred entrance ceremony, as as you might call it. So some do that with uh, children and infants uh, as part of what they would consider a, a covenant sign, similar to circumcision. Um, it, it, I compare it more to a wedding ceremony mm. the marriage is what matters but the wedding ceremony is the the clear demarcation of the beginning of that right are you uh, have you already made the same commitments in your heart prior to that yes obviously if you know if i'm 10 minutes before my wedding and my wife dies my my heart my vow has already been made inside right. but i haven't made it to the and the outside so in in my identity i'm still going to be understood, even by those around, as the widow of, or the widower of of this uh, deceased loved one. Maybe I'm expressing that poorly, but the reality is what happens in these ceremonies is a picture of what already takes place in a greater reality. That's the nature of it. So when we look at the The remembrance celebration, we are commemorating the new covenant. And the reason that we celebrate the past is because that's our foundation for the future. We celebrate God's faithfulness previously and what he did in Christ at the cross so that in in the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, our sins died with him. And we who have faith in him, uh, who have put our hope in him, have been raised to a new life so that we're able to live by the Spirit's power and by faith please God, which we could not do apart from him. So all of this is necessary in the ceremony to remember and to celebrate, to clarify the meaning of this relationship, to understand what the gospel is, that it's all him. It's not me. It's not something that I earn. It's what he did for me that that makes me one with Christ and adopted by, by the Lord. So in doing that, we also are able to pass along that truth to the next generation and to all who observe it, which is why I think it's really important for us to do just as they did with Passover throughout all these centuries to answer the question, what does this mean? Mm -hmm. What what, what is this weird ceremony that you're doing? Why are we, why is, you know, specifically with the Passover Seder, why is this night different from all other nights? Why do we do it this way? What is it telling us? And then that's the opportunity to say, come, my son, my daughter, listen. Here's what the Lord has done for us. And just as we sing, you know, give thanks to the Lord, you know, for all of these things, his love endures forever. And and that echoes Psalm 136. The purpose of those Psalms is to recall and retell what it is that God has done so that as we're going forward, as we've left our a bondage in Egypt, as we've left our exile in Babylon and we've come to the promised land, we can trust in him. The covenant that he made will always be kept.
1: We're going to stop there because if we get into another conversation, we will run out of time. But uh, thank you guys for listening. I apologize again to anybody watching on YouTube that we had some snags in the beginning, but hopefully it stayed okay from then on.
0: This we shall hope.
1: Yes. Uh, but thank you again for listening. And if you guys have any questions or comments, as always, you can send us a message on Facebook or YouTube or send us an email at org. I ran out of air. Or uh, We are the home of
0: professional <laughs> podcasting.
1: <laughs> it's not good when a podcast and you run out of air. Um, or you can leave us a voicemail. At what two, have we done?
0: That's two, good. Two, I mean,
1: why, why start now? Two six right. nine seven five six 756 rlcc or use the Anchor app.
0: It's not good when you cough multiple times in the middle of the podcast and you know that's
1: Well, you know, that makes for good uh, blooper reels familiar. later on. So you so. can
0: spend a lot of time having fun. That's my so.
1: December. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you guys for listening and we will catch you later.